0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about mortgage rates and how those are affecting new home sales and purchase applications. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM, about PA+. Melinda, why should independent mortgage brokers and processors take advantage of this tool? So it's a great new tool, but we're fans of processing in any way. So whether it's an in-house processor, a contract processor, or using PA+, is a great way to go. We believe that it increases efficiency for loan officers and broker owners to focus on getting new business and working on the business rather than chasing around documents. Thanks, Melinda. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. Logan, welcome to the podcast.
1: It is wonderful to be here, Sarah.
0: It is wonderful to have you. We are both recording from uh, kind of strange places. We are at a uh uh still at the m b a secondary conference, and so we are uh have found <laughs> small rooms to use um anyway but it'll be a great conversation. We have a lot to talk about, especially looking at how seven percent rates are impacting housing so so tell me what you see
1: so as rates have gone up recently um you know we we've hit the seven percent mark. Uh, the 10-year yield has slightly declined from the recent levels of yesterday. We're doing this podcast on Wednesday uh, morning. Um, purchase application data surprised me a little bit. I, I was anticipating a bigger week-to-week decline, uh, even in the double-digit area. But uh, we had a 4% weekly decline, the year-over-year data down 30%, but the uh, you know, with rates here, it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, how bad the data gets, because what we've seen in the past, this is the third time we've got to the 7% mortgage rate range. And it's part of the forecast for 2023 that seven and a quarter is going to be the, the, the top. But um, so far, it's been a mild decline uh, uh, in demand, back to back weeks of negative data, uh, but nothing like we saw before where we have these noticeable big week-to-week declines. And what we're going to see is how long do rates stay up here? Because what's happened in the past two times is we get mortgage rates above seven, but it doesn't stay too long. Uh, and then as rates fall, demand gets uh, a little bit better. But again, we're working from such low levels already that uh the the downside is somewhat limited unless rates start you know spiking even higher from this point uh so it, this is why tracking the weekly data really matters on the positive side and on the negative side last year was you know the the, the data was so negative and consistently negative that it was just a one way train down but again since november 9th a lot of things have changed uh, so far year to date we've had 10 positive purchase application data versus nine negative and because of that uh, demand has stabilized but what I've seen now you know looking back at the existing home sales report you know last November November December January up until the early part of February we had a you know rates falling with many many weeks of positive data and it facilitated that Uh, big sales print we had a few months ago. Now we're just basically choppy back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 10-year yield goes up, rates go, uh, purchase apps go negative, 10-year yield falls, purchase apps get positive. So we're just kind of just a very choppy uh, demand data line. But since we're working from such low levels already, what it's done is just stabilize demand. So to see a a clear break like we saw last year, it's probably going to take higher, higher rates uh with the duration to have a similar impact. So so far, uh pretty standard. Um, but again, we'll see how long we stay up here at this level with rates and how much it impacts demand.
0: So pretty standard except that we are in the middle of spring home buying season and I feel like this spring home buying season is on survivor, right? They've got to fend off all of these different things. And higher rates is just one more obstacle.
1: Well, well, here's one thing with purchase application data that you know we have to talk about in in this context. Uh, seasonality, of course, is the second week of January to the first week of May. Uh, usually, volumes always fall after May. But what occurs is that is that when people apply for a mortgage, they don't necessarily lock their rate at that point. So when rates go up and down. Um, or especially if they go up, uh, you can have people that have applied for a mortgage and have not been able to uh, purchase a house. One thing that uh, we have to be aware of is that people that applied for a mortgage uh, with mortgage rates at six, six and a quarter, when rates go up uh, in, in a very short amount of time, even though they're in the marketplace looking, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to buy a home at that very point. You know, uh, and that that's one thing about mortgage rates moving up and down, you can have people in the system that are still looking and still might not be able to uh, uh, even win a bid for a home. But as rates go up, that buyer enthusiasm might fall. Um, So this is why the duration of rates higher really matters. Uh, And that's something we're going to have to track going out for the rest rest of the year. uh, If rates stay up at this level. Uh, even some of the growth that we saw in purchase application data early in the year doesn't necessarily mean that that person actually is going to buy. And that's that's one thing about the volatility of rates. But I'm kind of more interested to see um, how the new listings data reacts uh, next week or, or in the future is, if rates stay this high. Because last year, when rates got to 7.375, we saw a noticeable year-over-year year decline in new listings because people just didn't want to sell or buy another house at this at this point. So we'll see how that data looks when we get the next uh, Tracker article.
0: I believe that you just made two points in favor of the mortgage rate lockdown thesis. So I'm just going to leave that there. We have to, <laughs> we can't talk over each other because of where we are uh, recording from today, but I'm just going to tell you uh, that People being less enthusiastic as rates go up to list their homes. To me, that is the essence of the mortgage rate lockdown
1: thesis. And the 42% of homes in America that don't have a mortgage.
0: Then that part is not part of this.
1: That's what I'm saying is that new listings data in America hit all time lows when mortgage rates were at 3%. So in 2021, so when rates go down, demand can pick up. But the notion of active listings growing after 2010 because of lower rates, it does not exist in the data line. And a lot of this is, is predicated to the mortgage rate is just one variable into the buying process. Um, home prices, of course, determines the loan size, the equity that you're putting down property taxes, insurance, what your wages are. So to tie everything to a rate, it's like we were in New Jersey last night uh, speaking with the uh, uh, YPN Young Professional Networks and New Jersey's inventory is terrible, of course, uh, basically at all time lows. And, you know, talking to one of the agents and, you know, he was showing me a message that, you know, uh, a home. A homeowner has a 2.5% mortgage rate and that person said, you know, I don't, you know, uh, we'll think about moving when uh, rates come down. Well, if you can afford a house and you need to buy one, you'll buy one. But affordability issues does not mean a mortgage rate lockdown means you simply can't afford to buy a home. And a lot of that prices, rates, they all kind of move together, wages, how much money you make, how much savings you have there's so many things that go into the buying process that if you tie it to one variable mortgage rate then in theory 2021 should have had a uh, huge active listings growth right uh, new listings should be blowing up much higher it didn't and that continues the you know post 2010 trend of the the need to buy a home from home sellers is not as prevalent anymore and also Uh, the listings growth from people that had short-term rates uh, isn't coming through. So it doesn't feed into the data line. This is why I don't believe in the concept of the mortgage rate lockdown. It's just simply just one variable in many. Um, And again, 42% of homes don't have a mortgage. And uh, uh, even when mortgage rates were at 3%, we didn't see anything in the data that changed from the downtrend that we've been seeing for many years. Okay,
0: well, let's um segue into um a story that you wrote on Tuesday about new home sales because inventory is top of mind. Like you said, we were in New Jersey last night and they are suffering from such a huge lack of inventory. We talked to one uh real estate agent who um is, is really aggressively going out there and and trying to find people. She has to line up a buyer. I mean, a, a seller, if, if she wants someone to sell and she has a buyer for there, she has to line up the next house they're going to sell. It's like a chain reaction of like three or four houses that she has to get in a row in order to make a sale. And I mean, they're aggressively going at it, but there's just not much there. So let's talk about the new home sales.
1: You know, that sounds like a savagely unhealthy housing market, by the way, <laughs> in Jersey. Um, you know, with new home sales... Uh, I think a a good stat that people might not know, we always talk about uh, the builders are buying down rates to help them uh, move product. And uh, as of today, after the last new home sales uh, report, we only have 70,000 active new home sales that are completed and available to uh, purchase i think a lot i think a lot of the confusion over the last few years has been that people think like the builders build like millions of homes and they're they're ready they're unoccupied homes you know the builder takes a contract and then they got to start the process of the uh, uh, uh of building homes and uh, uh we have so many homes under con under contract but un- still under construction. But really, traditionally, you know, the builders have about 75 to 85,000 homes available for sale. That's normal for them. We're, we're not, we're almost getting back to normal, but that's all the builders have. So they're very, very small marketplace. And even with mortgage rates uh, uh, this high, uh, last year in the fall, I think 33% uh the For The National Association of Home Builders said 33% of the homes that they sold needed a buy down. Uh, The last report, you know, 21%. So, you know, they'll pull levers, what I call about efficient sellers, they'll do what is needed um, to uh, uh, move the product you know once that home gets completed for sale they don't want that inventory to keep on building up building up building up because what happens that you know more and more people want uh, a, a prices cut or rates lower to to purchase it so they keep the market flowing where an existing home seller um might not cut their prices or do what's needed because you know in a sense, they live at the home. They have to find another home. They they sell the home with a different kind of uh, um, perspective. Uh, so the builders have done 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 well in that regard. Again, sale levels were really low. They were really low last year. You know, census doesn't account for the cancellation rates. Uh, um, uh, so last year the sales were actually lower than what their monthly reports are showing. So the builders have stabilized demand, and they're just working through their backlog. Um, and uh, it'll take time for them to feel more confident, I believe, uh, to start issuing permits in a bigger fashion, right? Because the multifamily construction is is coming to an end in terms of that boom, and single families just stabilize. So we have a situation where completions are still rising, permits are not going anywhere, but the builder stocks are doing well because the products they have, they're selling it. And they're uh, making money on it. Uh, so uh, a very confusing housing market in that regard. But if you read our work, you know, we always talk about they are efficient sellers. They're not they are not going to flood the market anytime soon, but they're going to they're gonna make sure to get rid of their products in a very timely manner. And if they need to pull levers in terms of cutting prices and lowering mortgage rates, they will do that.
0: I think one of the confusing parts of this is that people see the headline number of like, this is how many homes the builders are working on or this, but those are not, that's not the same thing as the homes that you could actually buy.
1: Yeah, the the one of the nor- tweets that I've seen is there's more homes under construction than ever, and then I have to show the completed uh, data, and it's just seventy thousand homes. You know, so uh, once you get a contract, that that's a buyer that's going to occupy the home. It's not necessarily an unoccupied house. Uh, so only seventy thousand. That's why we we wanted to highlight that that. In a country of 330 million, right? Uh, you know, with the weekly data that we've seen, uh, Altos Research, uh, we only have 424,000 single-family homes available. So you add that uh, uh, into the equation, you can see how, you know, in a sense, pricing is not crashing just because the total active listings are, are so low and a stable demand. Right? This is why we have to be very mindful of what 7% mortgage rates do to the housing market. Um, it's not like what we saw last year, but again, last year we were working from 6.5 million existing home sales. Uh, uh, starting the year, we're working from 4.28 million right now. So different marketplace in that regards, but we track the forward-looking data because uh, uh, by the time the weakness shows up in the sales, it's going to be months from now. So back-to-back negative prints on purchase apps for the builders again, they're working from a little, uh, or not a little, but a, an obvious angle that gives them an advantage in terms of buying down rates and making sure they they sell that house efficiently like a commodity and then moving on to the next one.
0: So, you know, you talk about mortgage rates and we know there are a lot of things that impact that. So one of the things has been the banking crisis, stress in, in banking. And we had news last night that PacWest Pacific Western Bank, right, is going to sell off uh, 2.6 billion real estate loans at discount. They're, they're they're sending off their lending unit. What does that mean? What do you think that means in the overall picture?
1: It's just the, the regional banks are stressed. And I, I believe it was uh, Janet Yellen who was talking about, you know, we might need to have more bank mergers <laughs> coming up soon. The financial markets are, are not functioning fluidly after the banking crisis has happened. So the spreads were getting a little bit better for the mortgage-backed security market you know, or the spreads between the 30-year and the 10-year. So the rates were were acting better. But as soon as the Silicon Valley uh, bank situation come, happened, things started to get worse. On top of that, now you have the debt ceiling issue. So uh, you put these things into the equation. These are new variables that have changed the pricing of mortgage rates, right? Because it wasn't that bad before. Uh, so you have to factor that in, into the equation. And, um, you know, one of the, uh, discussions that I've had recently is that, you know, my four and a quarter, uh, 10 year yield peak call, uh, tied itself to seven and a quarter percent mortgage rates. Well, that was assuming spreads were bad. Getting worse was not part of the 2020 forecasts. Uh, so, if the spreads get worse, you can get to seven and a quarter percent mortgage rates without getting to four and a quarter on the ten-year yield. So, these these things are what we see happen that are new during the calendar year. So, you have to adjust to that. Um, the ten-year yield is not rising uh, as of this very moment. Um, we're speaking on Wednesday morning, but. It's something to keep an eye on going out in the future. Of course, uh, what happens when the debt ceiling issue is resolved and then uh, we'll take it from there. But as of right now, we've seen sh- very short term stress into the marketplace uh, with two events now, the banking crisis, which has not ended, and then the debt ceiling issue. And that has pushed up mortgage rates uh, uh, to the 7% level.
0: Where are we with the debt ceiling issue? Um, all, all signs pointing to what you thought it all along that it's
1: going to be resolved? I'm not, I'm not afraid of the collapse of the United States of America because um, there are levers to pull here. We could pull this. I, I've always thought of this as just a giant kabuki theater uh, act. But uh, in the short term, you can have stress in the marketplace. Like I remember when the first debt ceiling situation happened in 2011 and people were scared because they never saw this before. They thought that the United States was going to, uh, a default, and you know, uh, terrible things were going to happen in that environment. We—that's—that's that's not going to occur. The, the 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 White House has the has the, all the power here. They can they can they can do things to prevent this from happening. But until then, there can be some market distortions or chaos and that's what i'm seeing uh and there's gonna be a lot of talking back and forth you know when when does the when does the government run out of money is it june 1st is it june 8th who gets paid there's gonna be all this drama but a a a debt default and you know the the collapse of the united states of america uh, that no we're we're not gonna um we're not gonna do that to ourselves but it it is it does show that you know uh, our treasuries and dollar, we're, we're king dollar for a reason. Our treasury systems are, are so are uniquely powerful. The only drama we do, we do, we do to ourselves. So this is just the functionality of political economic theory. And we're just dealing with it every single year and something will get done, but you could have, let's say one to two days of, in a theories, uh, a very stressful market situation as that's nothing has been signed but until then um don't think of this as this is going to really impact the long-term history of the united states economy it's just gonna the 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 white house can shut this down anytime they want uh but the political process keeps this going between this back and forth uh, uh action so until that resolves itself um just know that this is not the beginning of this massive depression that's going to occur because of this. The the white house can just invoke a few things and, and get this over with, but uh, the political process of this uh, event has to play itself out.
0: So I talked with uh, Mike Fred and Tony yesterday for the podcast. Um, he is the chief economist at the mortgage bankers association, had a great talk with him and, and he and I were talking about rates as well. And the MBA has, you know, um, change their forecast a little bit, but they still feel like rates will go down at some point this year, not by as much. And, you know, obviously could be later. What What do you think? And this is the number one question I know that we got last night from the realtors is like, what do rates look like, you know, in the next three months? And then, you know, towards the end of the year, like, what are we looking at?
1: So again, mortgage rates are still trending in the range that I thought they would, even with the banking crisis and debt ceiling. Because the ten-year yield has still stayed in the range. Um, I, I, I just, I personally just do not believe that Gandalf line breaks and then we go under three point two one percent until the labor market breaks. So I'm still working off of that premise. But uh, uh, rates can 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 come back down toward you know six and a quarter range, and we're still in that. 2023 forecast. Um, but for right now, at this current moment, these this debt ceiling issue is going to have to resolve itself. Uh, and then we've been trending lower for, for uh, the portion of the year. We just, we had one real spike up early in February, and then we've just been hovering lower and lower. So to me, it just, once this issue resolves, we kind of stay in that range as we have all year long. But I just don't believe we break until the labor market breaks and uh, jobless claims are still low enough uh, here. You know, and the state of California has had a very big increase uh, uh, in people falling for unemployment. The, the population is so much bigger than other states. You would need to see a, a a lot more weakness in the jobless claims data, and the JOLTS data for us to get to that point to where we get to three hundred twenty three thousand on the four week moving average. So I, I'm just sticking to the forecast. And that Gandalf line was created early in the year just to highlight people how hard it would be to break through that. And we've tried eight times now to break through that level. And it just hasn't happened yet. We all know the growth rate of inflation is falling. You know, there's there's a lot of economic data lines that show the U.S. economy is slowing, but the labor market has broken. And, you know, we've t- we've talked about this that we're countlessly seeing Fed people still talking about, well, we need to break the labor market. We need to break the labor market. The labor market's too 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 hot. So, eye on the prize. That's what they want. If you if you're a 1970s inflation person, you really need to see a job loss recession to prevent the 1970s. Even though the growth rate of inflation has been falling. Uh, uh, if you're in that seventies camp you 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 have to break the labor market and this is why I keep on saying that that the the fed really the goal is to create a job loss recession
0: well you know i'm i'm really you know, glad for you that the Gandalf line is holding and it just shows your prowess at forecasting. But man, we need a break. I mean, we saw it last night in, in New Jersey where the realtors are like, OK, well, what about rates? Well, what about inventory? Well, like at what point do do we see some, you know, a turn in the housing market so that people can stay in business?
1: As we've talked about a few weeks ago, when rates were at six and a quarter, people wanted lower rates, said, you know, things can get worse, not better um you know the the 10-year yield has to break below 3.21 and I just I I just don't see that happening until the uh labor market breaks. So we could stay in this range uh you know between 5.99 and 710 that's what we have been but uh, to get that next leg lower' you're, you're good you're gonna need to see because mm-hmm. you, you have to remember the Federal Reserve has, you know, their job is to, break inflation down. So growth people buying homes or or in that nature, that doesn't help them. Uh, so there's only so much you can do with, with fed rate hikes. So, uh, I don't look for them to like uh, save the housing market, but I I just cannot get myself to get below 3.21% until the labor market breaks. So to get that below 6% mortgage rate and the spreads are, are, are again, Uh, not getting better they're getting worse that just puts more stress in the marketplace and to me you know the federal reserve was hiking rates knowing that the credit market was getting tighter before the silicon valley and they're still hiking rates and they're still talking about they need more rate hikes so again to me it's they change their talking points once people lose their jobs this is why they forecasted four and a half to 4.7 percent unemployment rates it's not because we're going to you know (laughs) Sprout out a bunch of dwarves coming out of caves or anything to come work. You know, labor force growth is going to be unbelievable. It's just that uh, they are so afraid of the seventies inflation. They need to see the labor market soften up. And you know, Bernanke just talked about that. That the labor market's too hot. You got to bring it down. Uh, that's why I keep on doing those tweets about. You know, when I went on CNBC, the the Fed will only be satisfied. When the labor market breaks, people have to lose their jobs for them to feel comfortable about inflation.
0: Well, I hate to end on a pessimistic note, but it is at least, um, I mean, your job is to call it like you say it and help people prepare.
1: Yep. We have models for a reason. And uh, the forecasts are based on what we believe or what I believe the 10-year yield and mortgage rate should do in this environment. And so far this year, I mean, everything has looked Correct. Even with the banking crisis and even with the debt ceiling issue, mortgage rates have still stayed in that range. So the next to me is, you know, when jobless claims breaks, all that dynamic changes that gets us into another conversation. But since the Gandalf line is held so many times, I think, you know, I hope, I hope people can understand why I, I couldn't go underneath there and why I've highlighted that area to be very tough to break. That that looks to me more about the labor market breaking than the growth rate of inflation falling.
0: Logan, thanks for joining me today, even from your uh, hotel room closet <laughs> to get
1: a good. Yes, because there's construction going on in New York right above me. So uh, the, I, the the hammers or the drills you're hearing, that's them. Yes, and I,
0: I am in my very tiny hotel, uh, New York hotel room bathroom. So kudos to our um, uh, sound producer, our podcast producer who's, who's working through all these. But thanks for being on and we will talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you.
2: Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Program Specialist here at HW Media, and I wanted to invite you to our upcoming event this summer. A theme we've heard from housing leaders this year is the importance of relationships to not only survive, but be strategic in 2023. And that's why we decided to invite the top C-suite executives and leaders in mortgage to join us at Gathering of Eagles in Austin, Texas from June 18th until 21st. Now, Gathering of Eagles has historically been exclusive to the nation's most elite brokerage, association, and team leaders, and C-suite leaders. But for the first time this year, we're opening up the audience to include execs from mortgage, title, and insurance so that you can connect and build vital partnerships for your business. If you want to learn more, visit the events page on Realtrends.com, and you can get registered today to come hang out with us in Austin.
0: Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment and make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.